Our message this morning comes from the letter to James, chapter 5, verses 7, and I'll read through verse 18. Hear the word of God. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning's message is entitled, uh, There is a Rabbi in the House. Um, James is one that asks that question. Is there a rabbi in the house? And he, he points to all of us, every single one of us. You know, we saw that in Jesus' ministry as well, right? He looks to Philip. He looks to the disciples. He looks to a, a young boy with a lunch. He looks to a woman at a well who runs and, and brings the good news to her town. These are beautiful pictures, beautiful lives for us to live into. Aristotle said that a soul never thinks without an image. There's a picture that you and I ponder from time to time. Uh, it may be of somebody familiar. It may be um, a country at war. It, it may be somebody we pass on the way to church this morning, but a soul never thinks without an image. Henry Nouwen uh, was so good to, to tell us that when he looked at a painting, he would stare at it for hours, allowing that image to speak, allow God to, to say something, something to draw him in to the artist and, and the moment. 
I think James is doing the same with us when he talks about rain. He uses rain as an image for our growth as followers of Jesus. He says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. For the farmer waits for rain, both in the autumn and in the spring. Uh, the, the farmers in Palestine would, would count on a rain in late October and November because without it, the seeds would not germinate. And if the second rain didn't come in April and May, well, that grain would not mature. James wants us to hold on to that image of a, of a first and second rain, for us to wait together for God's next move in our lives. Waiting is what grace is all about. It doesn't leave us off the hook. It leaves us leaning in and expecting of God to move. I remember over the course of my life uh, needing to take a drive, right, just to clear my head. But a lot of times I would ask a friend to do the driving and I would sit in the passenger side, uh, seat and I would just share my heart, you know, the things that I could not budge or control or move. And I think looking back, I was looking for that second rain to mature me in the faith, in my relationships. I'm sure the driver was <laughs> praying the same prayer. James has this way of tying our need with the nearness of God. Not in a threatening or scary, thunderous way, but to say that the Lord is present, the Lord is here, and we're to wait on him together, not by ourselves. He says brothers and sisters three times in this passage. He talks about the example in the, face of, in the face of suffering, how the prophet still spoke in the name of the Lord. I don't know what you have been through or what you are going through, but it's important for us to still speak God's name in our life, not just to hear it from the pulpit, but to say and to speak of God at the table, in the car, on the way to the doctor's office and back home again. We're to speak of the nearness of God and even the distance we may feel with God. He points to Job of all people. What do you, what do you associate with Job? But suffering. But, jo but James points to his perseverance, doesn't he? Job would say, my witness is in heaven. The world may not understand what I feel and what I'm going through, but my witness is in heaven, and he vouches for me on high. He'll go on to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, Tom Denmark, um, member of Trinity United Methodist Church, uh, died this last year, um, we would have breakfast together at, at Village Inn. And one of the things, one of the questions we would answer is just where we were experiencing the nearness 
or maybe even the distance we feel with God. And it was, it was just the two of us. And um, I just, I've always uh, admired Tom for his, his honesty with me. Um, I've been with priests at Starbucks, and it makes me kind of sweat around the collar, you know. But Tom had enough courage just to be himself uh, with this pastor. And I remember after his diagnosis with cancer, I was sitting about this close to him as I am to the microphone. And I, I asked him again, where are you experiencing God in this? And there was a short moment and he said the word forgiveness. Just one word, forgiveness. That's as deep and as wide as the ocean. You know, I think of uh, Vincent Van Gogh when he painted his paintings, he painted his pain. Even in the brushstrokes, apparently you can still see the grit of sand and the flies that were caught in the paint. It's all there. It's the truth. It's how he was feeling. It's where he was at. And James says something similar to us. It's a word of grace for us. Simple faith is enough. All you need is a simple yes or a no. I'm, a, I'm sorry or forgive me. For the last six years, I, I've lived with one image that has kind of come and gone on the inside. And um, it was somebody that I wasn't real sure if I needed to call and apologize after all these years. But I think when I heard that that quote from Aristotle, it made me feel like, okay, that's, that's not in my head, that's in my soul. And so I called that person up and I left a voicemail. And to my surprise, they called me back. And um, I apologized. And I got the greatest gift. It, I didn't expect it. I don't expect it from any apology in the future. But with that apology came some perspective. They took time to give me perspective about the community we lived in, the one that existed before I ever met him, the one we both lived in, and the one that continues today. And he said, you know, this community has never changed, but I'm thankful that we have. To keep faith simple. James would say that when we... When we are sick, when we call upon the, the elders of the church to, to pray for us and to anoint us with oil in the Lord's name, remember he's not talking about a, an individual. He's talking about a community, a community that is in solidarity in our pain, in our sickness, maybe even in our injustice or war. That it's not about us touching others, but we are being touched through people that are in solidarity with us. Because sin and sickness, pain and injustice and war isolate us. They isolate us from one another. They make us feel isolated, maybe even from God. I think that's why James talks about the oil, because it's an outward sign. 
usually around the forehead. That's the, 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 the place of perception. It's where we believe that Cain was given that mark of grace to see his present and future and not believe that everybody's after him. It was hard for him to live into that sign. But the oil is an outward sign of the Holy Spirit. But again, not just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit represents the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And guess who's included in that community? All of us. All of us that call upon the name of the Lord. I remember as a kid, getting up and watching the Three Stooges on uh, TBS. And I would have to suffer through headline news a little bit and the little factoid at the end. But I remember seeing uh, an image. I was too young to understand, but I could see people marching and they had a, a sheet as wide as the street. And in red spray paint, it, it was the word solidarity. And I didn't know what but it always stayed with me. And I remember after the, the morning of 9-11, I was watching ABC News, and immediately when I turned it on, there was Queen Elizabeth's military band playing God Bless America for us to show their solidarity with us. I was stunned. The camera goes to Peter Jennings, who is now crying and he looks into the camera and he says now that's solidarity like the receptionist and nurse and doctor and pharmacist all of us are a part of God's healing and wholeness in the church the community and the world that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus James doesn't stop there. He, he, he begins to talk about Elijah, who's kind of the Joe Frazier of the Old Testament, to, to Moses being Muhammad Ali. And he says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He talks about a time that was dry, that was, uh, that was a famine. And he and, and between all of these, like, five, six verses, James uses the word pray. Even the people that we think are, are the, the greatest people of faith, they were just human beings like you and I who also prayed, who waited together for God's next move. So are you hurting this morning? Are you sick? Are you empty? Are you tired? Are you going through what James might call a dry spell? Emotionally or physically or spiritually? I would invite you to the altar this morning. Altars are beautiful places because you don't have to kneel. You can stand because it's really about your, the posture of your heart. The, the picture that you carry before God. If you would like for Pastor Wayne and I to anoint you with oil and to, to pray over you this morning, um, you can simply make a, 
sign of the cross with your wrists. But maybe there's somebody you came with this morning. Maybe you don't want the pastors to pray over you, but maybe you just want somebody to be in solidarity with you as you wait upon the Lord. I would invite you to come. If it's somebody next to you that you did not come with, I would invite you to come this morning as the choir sings, as the congregation sings, because there is a rabbi in the house, and it's not just us. His name is Jesus. So as we stand, as we sing, um, the altar rail is open. Would you come?